Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 21. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our past. Each week, one of us chooses a movie. It's not really each week. I think I made this uh, comment yep. last time. Occasionally, throughout the year, we appear <laughs> before you to discuss films, which uh, one of us has chosen for the other to see, because... They've never seen it before. That's right. And it's a crime and it's an outrage. And this is the show that will, you know, fix it all. Yes. All the world's problems. Plus, we have Mai Tais tonight, yes. uh, which uh, it's already making this uh, a really nice evening right after work on a Tuesday. Yes. So what movie did we choose this time and why? Oh, um, we're doing this a little backwards, but that's okay. I chose, because it's my choice... Um, actually, I didn't choose. I, I gave some options. Which oh, yeah. Can you run we, through that again? We posted to our Facebook page a poll, and all which took more doing than I thought. Facebook should make it a lot easier to post polls. Um, but anyway, through a weird set of circumstances, I was able to post a poll to Facebook, and we got some responses there. But we also posted it to Instagram, and people voted via the What Instagram were the choices? So what our, was the dilemma at our hand? Our four choices were um, a movie... I can't remember what year. Mixed Nuts with Steve Martin. Um, uh, a movie that my mom loves, uh, Prancer, which is about a um, reindeer. And uh, Smoky Mountain Christmas with Dolly Parton, uh, which is sort of a Cinderella story, only with orphan children um, <laughs> at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and um, the, the, the winner, the ultimate winner was... You have was, to have orphans in Christmas uh, The stories. fourth choice, which was Nightmare Before Christmas, which Dave had never seen. And apparently um, people across the country and in our hometown decided that Nightmare Before Christmas, it was a crime and a travesty that Dave had never seen this movie. So that is what I chose. So Although we collectively chose. We've attempted to redress this uh, issue. Yes. Okay. Nightmare Before <laughs> Christmas. Yes. 1993. Yes. Stop motion, fantastic. Yes. Stuff. Well, I should I should point out the title is Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. <clears throat> Although he's not the director of this film. No, he's not the director. But um, he uh, the concept is his. The world is his. He wrote a poem years ago when he worked as an animator at Disney, mm -hmm. um, thinking that he'd like to do something along along the lines of one of those uh, Grinch. Uh, Christmas specials, classic Rudolph the Red Deer, you know, the things we yeah. all grew up with, the half hour and it, Christmas specials that we're not allowed to watch And it stuck in, like, anymore. development hell, as, as they call it. It just, it was, they were going to do it, and then they didn't do it for a really long time, and then all of a sudden they decided they had the rights for it, so they're going to do it after all. Well, during that time, um, Tim Burton was an animator at Disney, and then he left Disney. Mm -hmm. and went off to do other things. And so it was in that period afterwards when he realized Disney still had the rights to do it, and let's try and get this going again. And I think this was after they did the short uh, Frankenweenie, which actually may be my favorite Tim Burton thing ever. I don't ever. think I've ever seen Frankenweenie either. The original short, which no, was no, no. a live-action short. No, I've seen the movie. I've never seen the original okay, short. Okay, the original short is great. I don't yeah. know anything about the movie. I haven't seen the movie. I don't know. I don't yeah. Remember. <laughs> Saw it with the kids. It was fine. So you have a complicated feelings about Tim Burton, as do I. Um, but I <clears> guess <throat> I should talk about why this was one of the th four movies that I suggested. Yeah. Um, so I guess this movie came out when I was like 11 or 12. So it was like right in the, in the kind of era. 
era that they were seeking to get, you know, children that are old enough not to be frightened of monsters, but, you know, young enough to still be fascinated by this sort of thing. I really think it actually suits all ages, and I'm glad we went back and looked at it because I had had... I really liked it at the time. I remember really liking it at the time. Yeah. But, like, over the years, my sort of disdain of my younger self kind of crept in, and then I was, like, not sure that I should have, like it. You're not one of those people that have rejected all of the things you used to love as, you know... Not all of the things, but there are some things that I was like, well, that was stupid. Why did I like that? And this I don't was, think this should be one of those Yeah, things. this was one of those things that I felt like was that, but when we went back inside, I didn't feel that way. But... Yeah. Um, at the time, and I think it's because it's associated with how awkward my adolescence was, but I was one of those, I was not a goth kid, but I was like a wannabe goth kid, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I never had the funds or like when I went to go buy clothes, I never like wore all black or anything like that. But I was very fascinated with the sort of dark. So Beetlejuice, did you dig the Winona Ryder character? Oh, I was totally into Winona She was my, yeah. <laughs> Spirit Her animal, and or... Daria, like, yeah. combine those two, and that would have been my I, ideal. I can see this, yeah. actually. <laughs> I can see this in your roots and your yes. uh, genes. Um, so, and it's, it's, it's like, the, you know, they I was reading about this movie, and I guess a lot of people sort of attached itself to the sort of, the lonely lead character who feels misunderstood and doesn't know what to do with his life. And, you know, as, as people feel over, you know, various parts of their life, people yeah. feel that way. And I certainly felt that way in my adolescence, like no one understood me and, and nobody got what I was going for. And, um, so I, you know, naturally it sort of attached myself to it, but then it became this like big hot topic thing. I mean, like it was even a big hot topic thing back in the nineties, I mean, not to the extent that it is now, but it was it was a big hot topic thing. There were dolls and clothes and you know T-shirts and oh, I thought jewelry. I was trying to figure out why this was a controversial <laughs> issue, and you actually mean hot topic the store? Yeah, okay. actually, hot topic Total, the I'm store. Revising the last moment of uh, conversation okay. there. <laughs> hot topic the store. T-shirts, things. Yeah. So then it became okay. this big instead of being this sort of like cult side item thing. You know, as you've experienced with Doctor Who, where it used to be something that <coughs> nobody knew about, and then all of a sudden everybody knows about, it and there's like TARDIS stuff everywhere. You know, it was the Barnes same Noble. sort of. Yeah, yeah. At Barnes and Noble, there's the Doctor Who section. Um, it's very surreal. So, so <clears throat> I mean, I guess that kind of explains. But at, at one point, this was a very meaningful film for me as a as a adolescent child i'm sorry that it's been drained of meaning you I, know, all these years later well no I, i'm glad we went back to it um i'm like i never knew at the time it was directed by the guy who did the fantastic Coraline. Um, I haven't seen Coraline, which is you haven't seen Coraline. no i've never seen okay Coraline. well it's also very good and i'm a big neil gaiman fan yeah yeah <laughs> but it's a similar it's a similar uh sort of thing you know a book you know, kind of on a creepy topic that, um, actually, well, Nightmare Before Christmas isn't based on a book, but, you know, sort of creepy feeling. It's all the same yeah. wheelhouse as Neil Gaiman and yeah. the same age range and the same, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So what did you think? Wait, wait, before we do that, we have to, you know, give some kind of indication of what the movie's about. We can't just assume everybody else has seen it. Maybe we're writing the wrongs for other people too. Okay. <laughs> so, uh... It's a movie about Jack. 
Jack Skellington. The Pumpkin King. Yes. <laughs> We're all familiar with the Pumpkin King from yes. uh, Days he, of Yore. He is in charge, although he, he... I don't know if he rules over Halloween Town. He works with the mayor in some sort of government. Here's my take. I think the mayor is strictly a figurehead, right? Okay. He just kind of wanders around either being sad so or happy. Halloween Town has a monarchy. Yes. And the he's, Pumpkin he's the king, king is the head of the... And they run Halloween every year. That's, that's what they do. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Halloween's over. They immediately start the clock for 364 days. They're planning for the next Halloween. Yeah. But Jack is... He's got a midlife crisis going on. He doesn't, he's bored with Halloween. He wants to do something else. He's got a longing in his bones for something only. So he wanders outside of town, opens a magical portal, and ends up in Christmas Town. Christmas Town, yes. Which what is, is this? What is this? <laughs> he discovers snow. Um, he discovers um, joy and happiness and presence. Um, and, and, and Children in their bed. It's yeah, like all the yeah. best of the who's in Whoville that it he walks looks into. Like it looks like Dr. Seuss in, yeah, it's in Dr. Christmas Seuss. Town. And um, so he comes back to Halloween Town and he's telling everyone about about Christmas Town and how he wants to do Christmas this year. So You know what? They just don't get it. They don't really know what he's after. They don't understand. And Jack doesn't quite get it. He has to study Christmas. He's yes. going to figure it out. So he does all the scientific method. Yes. Which is like one of my favorite things in the movie. Yes. But before he's... we get into that in detail. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in the meantime, we've got another uh, character, Sally, who is... Sally a, the Ragdoll. Is a ragdoll crea- made life by uh, Dr. Finkelstein, I yes. think his name is. Mm-hmm. And he's the mad scientist in Halloween Town, and he gave life to this doll and expects her to do his bidding, and she... Uh, you know, poisons him from time to time and so that she can off. escape and he yep. usually catches her back and then she works on concocting a new potion. Yeah, And she, um, has her eye on Jack and she's worried about him because she doesn't think this uh, Christmas thing is going to go well. And you know, spoilers. She has really bad vibes yeah. and premonitions about it not going well. It doesn't go well. <laughs> it's kind of a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack decides to give everybody in Halloween town a job. Mm-hmm. We're going to make Christmas, making Christmas, making Christmas. It's a musical. Yes, it is a musical. We haven't mentioned that. Um, and uh, and it's a disaster. They, they, you know, concoct what skeletal reindeer and, mm. you know, presents, which are like basically shrunken heads in packages and yeah. like the crazy, Monsters. creepy Halloween town version of Christmas that they then take back mm-hmm. to Christmas Town or the world? No, they actually the take actual, to the, the to actual world. The, yes. This place that we hear so and live. So the mid-century yeah. world, I think. The mid-century, <laughs> the mid-century world of all of our fondest animated yeah. things, like The Incredibles. Yes. And um, of course, it scares the crap out of everyone. Children are terrified and weirded out. Adults are scared. The army has to neutralize everything and shoot Jack out of the sky. It's a disaster wipeout. Yeah, and then Jack has to save Santa Claus from. The um, because accident, earlier accidental he, peril because earlier he, he kidnapped he had Sid, Santa Claus, Sandy Claus yes kidnapped and brought back and uh, and Santa Sandy Claus is stuck in the clutches of Oogie Boogie mm. and uh, now we have to fix that yeah okay so that's that's, that's, that's our the thumbnail sketch story, yeah. of, uh, in case you haven't seen it um, but as you said it's also a musical mm-hmm. a Danny Elfman musical yes and. Um, I was really, by this time, 2018, pretty weary of the Danny Elfman, Tim Burton score. Do, 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 do. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, I was on board. I was on the train back Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Love that score. Love that movie. Um, 
I love early Tim Burton. I, I'm a fan of Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands. So now I'm going getting around the block yeah. back to your question about how I like this movie. Yeah. And I'm going to say the big thing here. This movie restored my faith in the, the wonders of Tim Burton at, mm. at his best. Yeah. Even though this is not a Tim Burton film, I want to give full props to Henry Selleck, the director, but it is surely whole cloth out of Tim Burton's brain. He, he you know, made the production sketches yeah. and the art and it's his story. And, and so there's that part of it that is Tim Burton. He, of course, always collaborates with Danny Elfman. So there's that element too. Mm. So whatever it is about this Tim Burton world, even though it's not a Tim Burton film, it just absolutely works. It's delightful. It's fantastic and amazing. It's the wonders of of practical animation, stop motion animation. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I love it more than anything. I love it to death more mm. than anything any computer animation can ever do. It's it's a little bit rickety, yeah, but still magnificent. You know all the all the different shots, the 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 care they've taken into each set and each setup of the camera, each close up, and all the details playing out in the background. It's a little jittery, but it's the jitteriness of life and and a soul. Yeah, you know, and you don't have that feeling of of life in. Um, digitally animated characters that you do even in something that's you know painstakingly made thousands and thousands of setups to, to do like it is in, in this film. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I think it took like two <clears throat> years or more to, to do in the traditional stop motion animation. I was reading about this, like Jack Skellington had like something like 85 different heads uh-huh. for different expressions. For all of his expressions. Yeah. Sally only had... Um, I think a dozen or so but faces. But they did supplemental uh, Well, they would remove her face yeah, because they didn't want to reanimate her hair, hair every yeah. time. <laughs> so to keep the, the flowing hair right every time, they would just like change out the face. But she didn't have as many expressions. Yeah. But she's got kind of more she's of a glazed doll, rag Jack doll sort of too. thing. Yeah. But, you know, beyond like the filmic aspects of it, you know, this is stop motion animation and everything. I just love the characters and the characterization. And I want to say these people, the, the community of Halloween town, however creepy and ghoulish and made up of goblins and zombies and vampires and all that. They're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're really nice people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, it's just, that's their world. That's yeah. the world they live in. But it's everybody's pretty chill. They yeah. all get along. They're all nice to each other. The only exception, I think, is Doctor Finkelstein. Yeah, he does. He's kind of on his he own. Is, and the Noogie Boogie. He is just a narcissistic, uh, sociopathic, mad yeah. scientist, as we've come to expect. Yeah. And Noogie Boogie, he's the heavy or the baddie, yeah. right? And um, yeah, we can come back to Oogie Boogie. He's not my favorite thing about no. the movie. Well, he just. But favorite characters for you. I, I mean, like, I can't not identify with Jack. I mean, I think he's supposed to be the person that you identify with, you know. And I think at, like, most stages of my life, I've gone through sort of a searching phase looking for something different. I mean, it seems like it happens every then five, ten years. Then you every yeah. musical ever made. I know, I know. <laughs> you need to have your own lament, you it's, know, I do that need starts a, off a lament, the, the whole uh, story. You know. <laughs> and then you'll have wondrous adventures like Jack. Yeah. So Jack is, he's miserable and out of sorts and, you know, at a, at a crossroads as the story begins. But like one of my favorite song, my favorite number, I think is 
when he goes into Christmas Town and he's mm. just so delighted and joyful. Yeah. What is this? What is this? <laughs> and, <laughs> what is the snow? And what are the yeah. packages? And from that point on, he's so enthusiastic and so manic and so silly and so just he has a vision yeah. and a passion. And it restores his um, will to joie de vivre. He's the creative spirit in mm-hmm. Halloween Town, I guess. And he's, you know, as any, he's the director. As, as any creative person knows, there are times when you just are feeling less than inspired. And if your whole job is to be creative and you don't have that spark. But it's the same and, thing yeah. year in, year out. It's the yeah. same thing. And he yeah. wants something different. And then, like, As well, I think I. it's funny at the end of the movie, like, he's like, I have so many ideas for Halloween next year now, you know, so, now yeah. that he's tried something new. Even if Christmas new. is a disaster, now yeah. they can do a really cool mashup based yeah. on what he loved about Christmas. Yeah. So, um, other, so this is one of those movies where beyond the little bit of a story that there is, and it's very short, mm-hmm. it's about 75 minutes or yeah. something like that, um, Part of what makes it so ma- so wonderful is it's a movie about the details, mm-hmm. like the stuff going on in the back of the shot, all the all the weird. <laughs> you know, you have um, this community of Halloween Town that don't understand Christmas, but the way they show that is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I loved. Um, we can't forget Zero the dog. Oh, he's you great. Know, little ghost dog, you know, who's going to He goes and fetches a... ribs that Jack pulls yeah. off his, his himself, his own ribs. He threw for the dog <laughs> to, to fetch. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> no, I didn't. I would probably yeah. have to see this a few more times. Yeah. I love Zero. And Zero, of course, gets to play Rudolph. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... And all of the minor characters are memorable. You've got the the mayor whose whose face keeps flipping, flipping. Right, he's literally yeah. two faced. Yes, he's he got has a happy. He side. has a sort of outraged, sad, upset face, and it'll flip around to his happy. Mm. I think he most of the time he's upset in the movie. Pretty much, because yeah. <laughs> because uh, in uh, in um, Jack's Jack's attempt to like create something new what he's really doing is ruining the status quo for everyone else yeah they're all used to everything they're fine with the way things are and he's like upsetting the balance shaking everything up they don't know what everybody has a bad feeling about it it doesn't feel right they don't know what to do um yeah but he's able to convince them you know what i the one thing i love is the um the jazz band that just plays in the streets you know what's up bone daddy or something like that i don't know yeah. i just think they're great and then they have that great little sort of jazzy thing that they're playing in the, the vampires the three yeah. vampires oh, who good. always kind of strut in and you know the sun will rise and then they kind of back out yeah with, with their cloaks up. well and when they go to a day meeting they have umbrellas with them when That's they right. go to the day meeting yeah the three little brats who kidnap santa yeah the little trick-or-treaters yeah they're they're associated with the boogie in some way i'm not real sure if they're like they just like him because they're trick-or-treaters and they well, like him. Well, it was their decision bait. to drop off Santa yeah. with Oogie Boogie, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think Jack said that. He's just like, go, you know, you should have. Him. This is why you have to be specific in your direction. Otherwise, yeah. all, all hell breaks loose. <laughs> so for, for, for music, we've got Danny Elfman, which we already talked mm-hmm. about. And it's Danny Elfman singing the part of Jack. Yeah. Which I didn't realize. Which, of course, as soon as, like, I saw that i was like of course it's danny elfman yeah but i haven't listened to oingo boingo or anything he's done in years so i'm used to thinking of him 
as a as a composer, a composer yeah. for Tim Burton. Yeah. So he's so wonderfully expressive as Jack. Mm-hmm. I was actually on the way home today. Um, Spotify. I put on the. I found the soundtrack, and I was mm. re- reliving some of the songs and listening to it. And it's so. It, it works so well as a as a collection of songs. Well, and I don't know if you noticed, but I sang along with a bunch <clears> of them because I know all the words. I'm I'm kind of like I'm when really you like good something, at word you're memory. All in. Yeah, I'm, so I have pretty good lyric memory for even well, years later. It wasn't you know? just the lyrics of the songs. I think you were quoting dialogue. Yeah, I, uh, that's true. <laughs> I, I mean, I want to say that I probably watched it a lot, though, okay. like on VHS when it first came out or something yeah. like that. I mean, it probably petered off a while. You know, another thing that comes to mind when I think about this movie is that me and my good friend Zach were way into Edward Gorey at the time. And there's a lot of imagery. Mm-hmm. We actually got into Edward Gorey a few years later, but there's a lot of imagery from Edward Gorey that you can see in this sort of um it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of Edward Gorey-ishness about it. Another thing I was reading about is there's a lot of German, um, like, modern kind of... It's German expressionist. Expressionist, um, yeah. The film. Like the trees mm-hmm. um, when they go to... When he walks through the woods and, you know... You know, things get flatter. And well, I'm thinking Nosferatu, Captain, uh, yeah, Cabinet of yeah. Dr. Caligari, sort of 20s, mm-hmm, silent German exactly. cinema. You might be talking about something more modern. No, 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 I mean that. Yeah. Yes, that's what I mean. Shadows <laughs> and chiaroscuro. Mm-hmm. And, well, uh, then the vampires look kind of that way, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. And everything is edges and yeah. angles and creepy shadows. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about what doesn't work as well. I want We have to come back to Oogie Boogie. Yes? Yes. Are you with me? Yes. Okay. I don't... So <laughs> Oogie Boogie suddenly <laughs> appears about halfway through the movie yeah. and becomes standard um, villain with victims and, you know... I think they had to put Santa <clears throat> in danger in some way. They had to put Santa in danger. I understand his function in the movie, but he doesn't work for me as all at, at all. I didn't dig it. Well, and, you know, I want to say, you know, in my reading about this movie, like... and. I actually thought this before I saw it, but, um, the villain, you know, reads as black and Tim Burton was concerned that it would be read, read as this. Oh, Tim Burton was? Yeah. Yeah. So apparently this is in the Wikipedia article and like, I can totally see that it was actually performed by a black artist who did a fantastic job. The singing was great. You know, it's in the music is good. Henry, Henry Selleck and the gang, um, I think said that they based it on somebody. I can't remember who. Yeah. It, they they were thinking of this sort of thing that Cab Calloway had done back yeah. in the day. You know. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's really entertaining. <clears throat> but you know, he just seems like bad for no real reason. He's just a mischievous trickster kind of thing. But um, he's really. But just... who's presenting an actual threat to the life of, yeah. of Santa? And so yeah. it turns into that like. Um, girl tied to the you know railroad kind yeah. of like fakey you know bad guy with the victim about to kill them and then you have to get there at the last second yeah exactly just, well he's like, even tied up yeah, on uh, i'm like why do we need that except as padding to make this into something like a feature length yeah so not my favorite thing i mean it's totally forgivable because the rest of the movie works so well but I think you could even have Santa in like up in Dr. Finkelstein's lab and being confused and scared without having, you know, this whole like 
in peril. So, Santa's in peril thing. <laughs> that's true. It's it's a lot to just introduce this character and this situation just for it's in, it's needed for about fifteen minutes of yeah. screen time for the last act. Yeah. To you know, let's save Santa. Christmas is a disaster, but you know, um, the one thing though that almost redeems it mm-hmm. co- comes down to detail again, and it's when it's the way that Jack defeats him yeah when he <laughs> unravels him because he looks i don't know what he's supposed to be a sack of he's like something. a flower sack he's full sort of... of a flower a lumpy flower sack mm. kind of thing so even that i was thinking like kind of like a what voodoo doll or something Maybe, yeah. i don't know I, I was puzzled the whole time trying to think what are they going for with this everything else is sort of recognizable as a zombie or a villain or a dead person with or a guy with an axe in his head or whatever yeah. but you've got the flower sack. so when Jack unravels him to to save Santa, like he disintegrates into like he's a bag full of little wiggly bugs and mm. worms, and that's yeah. so creepy and fun. <laughs> yeah, that. Well, that, and they have the little voice like the fly going. Yeah, you know, <laughs> my bugs, my, my bugs. bugs. Yeah, <laughs> that, that actually made the character better mm-hmm. to know that. Oh well, all along when I wasn't that crazy with that character, it was actually this bag full of bugs. Yeah, I like the bag full of bugs. I think that's clever, and if it needed that to give it something. Yeah. So it had that at least. So what do we think about um, Sally and Jack? Okay. Sally's very, I like Sally uh, as Sally's a character. Great. She's yeah. very sweet. She's very cute. I one of again back to details. The fact that like her limbs fall off all the time yeah. and she has to sew them back on <laughs> is I love that. Well, it's, and how well animated the like leaves falling out because yeah. she's stuffed with leaves. She's I stuffed think. with leaves. Um, so she, it, they do set up well the fact that she's pining for Jack throughout mm-hmm. the movie, but. This the whole romance thing is so like not really there. No, no. That I, I I'm I know there are probably people out there who love this film dearly who are like, oh well, you're taking it too seriously or something. It's cute that it has the love story. It's sweet the image of them together at the end by the moon on the hill pretty, and all that. Yeah. It's beautiful, and um, it, but it's not it's not quite been set up. Yeah. Because while she may have been pining for him. I mean, I've only seen it the one time, so anybody, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, but there's not really any indication from Jack that he feels much of anything towards her. And so it's very strange and not set up at the end when he's like, yes, we're meant to be together and all that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not a terrible thing. I mean, think about, you know, the joys of what this movie is and how short it is and, and how little a plot it needs to hang all of this together yeah but that romance isn't really there for me no well i mean like the few scenes that they have together i mean like i think the only one where he talks to her directly is when people are lining up to get their christmas jobs and what their christmas job is you know um sally you know has this premonition of christmas going bad but she never finds a way to tell him or anyone, you know, it's not even at like a Cassandra kind of thing where she tells people and they don't believe her. It's like she doesn't even get the opportunity to share that information with anyone. She tries to decide to foil things by putting up the fog, and that's why Zero gets to be. Well, how do they indicate the premonition that she has? Because she just seems like she's not into it and she's worried about it, but I don't really understand so she's, why she's worried about it. She's picked a flower at some point. She's yeah, after okay, she I that. after she takes he's up experimenting about Christmas and she takes she sends him like a bottle of wine and some soup that she made for him and she like 
runs it up the basket and yeah, takes and that's it. when she escapes. And I then think. she doesn't even let him know that she's the one that sent it. No, it was you just know, she, a gesture of love or yeah. pure. So and then she kind of hides behind a wall, and there's some old desiccated flowers there, and she picks one, and she starts pulling off the petals like a you know he loves me he loves me not kind of thing and as she's doing this it turns into a christmas tree magically yeah and then the christmas this. tree yeah. burst into flames and so that's where she gets that's the, the basis of this is all going to go wrong and christmas yeah. doesn't work in our world <laughs> yeah okay. essentially yeah i almost feel like okay i'm not i i i'm i don't I don't think I'm the kind of person who needs to have everything telegraphed, but it almost seems like there needs to be a little bit more of a beat to indicate. Yeah. Well, I wonder if there was more that got cut out or they decided not to animate, you know, because it's not the end of the world. Yeah. (laughs) It's fine. You get that she's uneasy about it and doesn't know what to do. Yeah. (laughs) We don't have to have them have an, uh, a complex, uh, meet cute or anything like that. I but assume I, he's seen her around town. Yeah, I, wish, they, I just wish there was more of an intersection of them before we get to the romance at yeah. the ending. They don't like. I I wanted a little more Sally in the movie. I yeah, think. I think so. She's a great character. Well, and we see how smart she is, and how um, how much ingenuity that she has, and how she would be a good match for Jack. But we don't really see how Catherine he would, O'Hara is the voice. Yeah, I know she's so. good. I don't even know if I knew that when we watched it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like one of my favorite characters in Best in Show. Yeah, she um, is. She's and great. She sings the part too, and mm-hmm. she's really great. Well, I think this is interesting. It's a part in. It's right before Disney started doing the sort of stunt um, celebrity casting of voices. You know, so I think it started with like Angela Lansbury and Beauty and the Beast, and then it just got more. Well, and I mean, more you and had, more. and I then like you, Tom Hanks. You've and, already had um, Robin Williams as Aladdin. That's true. By this that's point, right. which I think was around ninety-two or around that. Well, around he was the genie in, in Aladdin. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I mean, in Aladdin. Yeah. yeah, he was the genie. Yeah. But they had started to do that. But now it seems like they always have celebrities as voices nowadays. You know, like Helen Hunt. That's how you sell the movie to the grown-ups. I guess so. Um, Because the kids don't care. But this time I think they they still focus on... on, They're still at this point focusing on on picking... um, voices that suit the characters, not so much focused on the sort of celebrity of, you know, and I think that there are celebrities that can do both. Mm-hmm. Certainly. I mean, if you can act on camera with uh, your Kristen voice, Bell. yeah, <laughs> if you can act Frozen's on camera favorite, and change but, your voice, yeah. then there's no reason why you can't do it when you're not on camera. But I don't know. I, I kind of miss those days when there's sort of unknowns that, their whole job is to, you know, create these characters in an animated form. Or, and I guess uh, the guy who played Prince Humperdinck did uh, Jack's speaking voice when... Oh, Chris uh, Chris Sarandon. Yes, yes. yes. Prince Humperdinck Prince. from Princess Bride. From Princess okay, Bride, Okay, I'm going to have to yes. like, put this all back together. <laughs> he was also in the original Fright Night, which is what I first knew him uh, from. Yes. I forgot he was Humperdinck. I've not seen the original Fright Night, so... I don't think it's very good. It's one of those nostalgia things, okay. though, for me, because it was, you know, 80s uh, horror comedy sort of stuff. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say. I'm sorry. You took my thoughts from me. Oh, what I wanted to say was, did you, I don't know if you came across this in your reading, but did you notice that at various points there was talk and movement towards making a sequel? Oh, and, yes. And um, Tim Burton, like, killed it. Oh, he did. He was, he was like, so did not want to see 
the like now it's the movie about Jack takes over Thanksgiving and you yeah. know like it's just cheap and sold. He's like it's <laughs> he pu- wants to do Easter yeah, now. <laughs> it's pure the way it is. There is a cameo. Well, by they the captured Easter the Bunny. Easter Bunny. It's a cameo yeah. by the Easter Bunny. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that they were going to do was they were going to make it as computer animation. And he's mm. just like, no, this is not the same thing. Yeah. It's not the spirit of. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas, you have this pure little one-off sort of story. It's stop motion. It's Halloween Town. It is what it is. Let's not turn it into like the yearly sequel based on some other stupid holiday with Jack and Sally, which is a good decision, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. But seeing how good this is, this is 1993 again, and I think it was probably the most elaborate, best example of of this sort of stop motion animation and i mean i think it was revolutionary it almost looks as good as or as seamless as the computer animation now yeah right but it took two years to make and all that um i want more yeah like i don't there's not very many people doing this but this sort of stop motion animation is so yeah beautiful and pure in a way you know you had it with king kong all those years ago Mm -hmm. and ray harry house and and um we have just a few practitioners now. You've got like the Ardman Studios who do the Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. And you have Wes Anderson every once in yeah. a while, he, which we still haven't seen Isle of Dogs. Yeah, we've seen just the but, Fox. But um, Fantastic, Fantastic Mr. Mr. Fox, Fox is so another good. favorite of mine. Yeah. Well, I feel like you need to see Coraline. I can't believe you haven't seen Coraline because it's by the same director and it, it has the same feel. It I has... feel like I've read every other Neil Gaiman book too, it's but I haven't so, read Coraline. So... I haven't seen the film I mean, like heartfelt and beautiful and creepy and just all the wonderful things. And I mean, like as rich and beautiful as Nightmare Before Christmas is, Coraline is even more so. So at some point when the girls were much younger, Mm -hmm. somebody else showed them Coraline Mm -hmm. and they thought it was too creepy. And they they never wanted to see it with me. Every time I brought it up, they were like, no, it scares me. Yeah. You know, now, of course, they're 12 and 14. It probably doesn't scare them. But they still have that kind of like, mm, no, it's creepy. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that I mean, like, some of, I don't, not to get too much into that, but it, it talks about alienation from your parents in a way that would make younger children very uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, I mean, and to bring, to bring my experience into this, it's like when I saw the Muppets take Manhattan and the Muppets have to break up. And that's not about parental alienation. You didn't like the Muppets but breaking like, up? Like when the Muppets broke up, I suddenly, I remember I was like six or seven years old and I had this thought like, what if my family had to break up and separate or something like that? And it was, I mean, like, like that's not a scary movie. It's, no. <laughs> it's just not. You but didn't I like had the a, idea of a broken yeah, Muppet family yeah. because you saw it as... A, if that's possible, yeah. then anything's possible. Yeah, exactly. If you can break up the Muppets, you can break up my You know, family. anything. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was scary and, and you know, there's yeah, it's um so I can see how a younger child might be kind of creeped out by by some of the themes in Coraline. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you should see that. That's not really I should see that. I realize at some point I need to watch um more Tim Burton. Mm. Particularly I've never seen Pirates of the Caribbean. I, you only need to see the first one. <laughs> it's fine. I understand that, but I've never seen it. Yeah. At some point, Did I Tim need Burton to do direct that. that. No, he didn't. I don't think he. No, it just he didn't. has Johnny Depp in it. I had a Johnny De- <laughs> Depp misfire in my brain. I have a. I have the same block against Johnny Depp because they've worked together so yeah. many times. So forget that. It's Sweeney Todd that I will not 
um, oh. investigate? Well, I mean, like, if someone was going to direct Sweeney Todd, it would have to be Tom Tim Burton, okay, I guess. Okay, I'm going to keep drawing the line then. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland, I will not see. I've never seen that. So I've actually seen and enjoyed the musical Sweeney Todd, like a high school production of yeah. it in San Francisco when I was growing up. And it was, wow. it was fun. High school musicals in San Francisco were hardcore. <laughs> high school musicals in San Francisco had bloodletting, okay? And, uh, you know, death and blood and mayhem and all that sort of stuff. So, so I... I don't know. I'm glad I finally got to see this movie. I don't really have any excuses as to just it wasn't in my wheelhouse. Nobody I was involved with in as friends or no. otherwise was well, very connected to like this movie. Well, you would have been like 22, you know. Yeah, some... I was in college. Um, again, it's that year I was probably in London. It yeah. came out that Christmas. Um, so I just never, n- never saw it. I don't. I don't even know if my kids have seen it. Yeah. Well, I guess so... Final thoughts for me. I love this movie, but I still, and I have this problem with several directors. Tim Burton is one of them. Wes Anderson is another. Woody Allen is another one of them. Um, Which is that they keep coming back to the same things. Like they hit the nail on the head, like over and over and over again. Like, you know, Woody Allen and the like, what does it all mean? Existential God thing. Death is around the corner. What are we going to do? And, you know, Wes Anderson with his like too cute, you know, precious things. Although I do enjoy the Instagrams of accidental Wes Anderson. Precious um, little boxes of life. Exactly. And then Tim Burton with his sort of dark, you know, colorful dark carnival style dark carnival style energy that he brings to most of his things and you know the thing is is that it it, if you're doing the same thing all the time it people get bored of that you know and like there are ways to grow and and develop and some directors are really good at that and some directors are not you know and I, I I think that that there's some comfort about, you know, some directors that have the same thing all the time. But mm-hmm. I get a little irritated if you're doing the same thing over and over and over. And the thing is, is if you're doing the same thing over and over, it gets less and less creative over time. Or even if it is as creative because you're hitting the same points, it just doesn't seem that way mm-hmm. anymore, you know? So so from the artist's perspective, I understand the fact that they have a certain, a certain number of obsessions mm-hmm. and a certain way of seeing the world. And so each thing that they're making is they're trying to get it right. Yeah. They're trying to get it right. And this one isn't quite right. So they're going to do this one. And so for them, it's purely a, the process of them working out their art yeah. in their life and trying to create that that always receding mirage yeah. of like the thing that absolutely perfectly captures their worldview mm-hmm. and what they're after. So in other words, some of those earlier films that we love and adore that seem yeah. to nail it for them, it was just an attempt. It was a sketch. It's mm-hmm. there. They see the flaws in it and only the flaws. And they're always looking f- to, to try and put together the same, the same or similar elements, combine it in a new way, create it and express it in a new way. And, and for them, create that masterwork that they're trying to do. So mm-hmm. I understand that. For the rest of us as an audience, we're seeing like the repetition. Yeah. But I, I can see both sides of that. Well, I mean, I just feel like <clears throat> a lot of directors who, especially who achieve talent in their, you know, mid-30s, which is relatively young, you know, 
and they they're I don't know to me like some of Woody Allen's early works well not earliest works but mid-range works and some of Tim Burton's early works and some of Wes Anderson's really get at the sort of human experience like this movie kind of gets at the human experience but then as they sort of get more pulled into their own particular worldview they sort of separate themselves from like a more accessible human experience and then it becomes more individualized, which I guess is more to that. Yeah. I see what you mean. Well, sometimes they latch on to the external elements of their style and, and it becomes an exorcism in formalism in, Mm. in the, that the art itself rather than what they were expressing. And I definitely see that happening with Tim Burton over time where it became, it became more about the exterior Right. Mm-hmm. And the intricacy of that dark worldview, you know, mm-hmm. about the production design, about the manic, exaggerated acting, you know, Johnny yeah. Depp and, and all Helena Bonham Carter and less about expressing like the human story. It's Not true. everyone's after expressing the human story, though. That's true. That's true. But I I think that w- the best art is a combination. But some of people say that and Wes Anderson's later films read like caricatures almost of his mm. earlier films because it becomes more about the patented Wes Anderson style mm-hmm. without the humanity of Tenenbaums or yeah. something like that. Yeah. We boy the dumb, the Dumbo. Tra- we- have you seen the Dumbo trailer? It looks not so good. Oh, I don't know. No, <laughs> We're, I'm yeah, not, just to avoid I'm, it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to see the film Dumbo. I don't. I'm now you have me curious to see the trailer, but that's another time. Well, we don't review trailers. I mean, so I will. The part I will watch <clears> is <throat> the pink elephants on parade when Dumbo is junk drunk. I will watch that one segment of the movie, <laughs> and then I'm not going to watch the rest of it. Because I think I don't I'll just think, watch Dumbo again. Yeah. I haven't seen that in a few yeah. years. I, so. Well, I haven't seen Dumbo in a really long time. So, so I was doing pretty well at introducing the girls to the classic Disney stuff. They're when they were five, six, seven years old. So we have some of those DVDs, but we haven't looked at them since then. But for me, then it's been, you know, just a few years ago, I went back for you. Maybe it was since your childhood. Well, so. and I want to also like state my opposition to the uh, real life. Um, oh, yeah. Computer animated versions Audience of Disney movies. There, what do we think about Disney's trend of uh, remaking all of the classic animated films into live action films? Is this, is this necessary? Opposed, opposed, here. opposed. But if you feel differently, then feel free to drop us a line. Yep. Yeah. At shutupwatchthis at gmail.com, where we're always waiting to hear your thoughts on our takes on the movies. What did Dave miss in Nightmare on Elm Street? No. no. That's not what we did this time. The Nightmare Before Christmas. That's right. <laughs> Tim Burton's. Now I'm picturing Freddy Krueger and Jack Skellington, <laughs> and it's not good. It's no. not a good thing. So that would not work as well as like. Aliens versus this, Predator, which that probably didn't work well anyway. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, those were my final thoughts. Randomness. We'll be <laughs> back with you soon, sometime in December, um, with another pick. And, and it's my turn this time. I don't know what I'm going to do. If we have to put out another poll, then look for that. And we'd love to have you weigh in on what we review. And uh, otherwise, um, find us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. We've started the Instagram probably since the last time. Yeah, we, I uh, think so. Yeah.